Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. How about a pray and then, then we'll get into it. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we do give you thanks. Uh, thank you that we can still engage in your good things that you've given us, uh, particularly in the hearing of the scriptures read and our engagement and uh, yeah, reflecting on them as, as I preach. Father, help me, uh, help us, help us all to listen, help us to be wise, uh, thoughtful and reflective. Uh, pray that we would hear what your spirit has to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, well, guys, it is. Uh, this is, uh, this is, well, we won't call it the final sermon. I might come back at some point and say hello to you guys, but we will call it the, the last sermon for now, certainly while working on staff here at Salt. Uh, guys, the, the plan for us is just to give you a little, um, uh, idea of that is that, uh, I'm going on holidays for a couple of weeks starting tomorrow. Uh, I'll be back working at Salt for another week uh, as we do our staff retreat and help the guys think about the next year or so. And then uh, as of then, that'll, that'll kind of be me finished uh, here at Salt. I will be hanging around though. I'm not finished as a member of Salt Church until we do go and officially launch uh, at the end of August. So um, I will be uh, here to see you guys and we will be doing like a, a, a send-off here and there. Um, so on the 15th, I think of August it is, Alita and I will jump up and kind of say goodbye to all of you guys at AM and PM. And then on the 22nd of August, we'll do a final uh, goodbye to the whole launch team of Village Church and uh, encourage you guys with what's going on there. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I'm sad that we had to do this online, but we will get to say goodbye to each other, Lord willing, uh, physically at some point. Uh, so what do you preach? Uh, what do you preach on your, your you know, a sermon like this? Um, the, the problem is the, the possibilities, the topics are endless. Um, but here's what's been going through my head the last uh, couple of weeks uh, as I've been thinking about uh, church planning and so on. Uh, why leave a great church? Uh, why go out into uncertainty? Why open yourself up to the stress, uh, the risk, the potential for persecution? Uh, why endure the sadness of leaving friends, of leaving uh, loved brothers and sisters? Uh, why ask your kids to do the same? Uh, I'm wrestling with these questions. Uh, that's a bunch of what's going on for me. And uh, it's made me realise, even as I was writing the sermon, that I need to preach to myself in this moment as much as I need to preach to a bunch of you. I wonder how you're feeling about sending out Village Church. Um, maybe for some of you, you're new to Salt, it doesn't mean a whole lot to you, it's just a thing we're doing, but for, for a bunch, it's, it's a lot. Uh, Regardless of what it is to you, I, I, I hope that today would be encouraging, a helpful reminder to you uh, as we wrestle with why we suffer loss for the sake of Christ. Now, I imagine some of you have already started turning to Matthew 28, surely that's where he's going. We suffer loss for the sake of uh, mission, for the sake of seeing people wonder Christ. Well, uh, you might think so, but that's actually not where I've landed today. Uh, there will be, I will touch on that, but uh, we're moved by a variety, moved by God for a variety of reasons. I am too. Uh, the mission of seeing more people one to Christ is massive. Uh, but it's not the only reason we sacrifice. Uh, guys, you can come to Philippians chapter 3. Uh, in, in Philippians 3, 
Paul reminds the Philippian church to see life differently, to give them, he wants to give them a different perspective, to help them to zoom out, in fact, and look at things in life from above. Uh, Have a look at at chapter 3, verse 4. Uh, Paul says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Uh, Paul's speaking here, he's introducing his conversion, what's happened to him uh, as he became a Christian. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. A radical change happened to Paul when he came to know Jesus Christ as his Lord. You see, uh, as far as he was concerned, as far as people around him were concerned, uh, before he became a Christian, uh, he had everything. Paul was a guy who had everything. He was a Jew's Jew. He had done everything right. Uh, from the, he was from the tribe that boasted King David in its ranks. He was a Pharisee, part of the dominant popular group of the time. He was a leading one at that. Uh, he was considered righteous according to the law. Now, he doesn't mean there that he'd followed the law perfectly. What he meant was that he had kept the sacrifices, uh, that he had followed it faultlessly, that uh, he if anyone was to say, who's going to heaven? They would have said, Paul is. If anyone was going to be welcomed by God, it was going to be Paul. He's that guy. He's the good person. He's the one that Jewish mums would say, kids, you want to be like that guy, Paul. He would have been connected to the rich and powerful. He would have been safe in life and he thought in death. That's how Paul's world would have seen him. Until, and that's what Paul would have thought about himself, or he says, that's what I thought about myself. Until a moment, travelling on a road in Damascus, towards Damascus, where he encounters Jesus, and he, his eyes are open to the truth. Listen to his new perspective, we'll start in verse 7 again. Uh, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for Christ's sake. Now, uh, that language is just a little bit tricky. Uh, we'll just dig into that for a moment. Uh, accountants probably hear it straight away, but the rest of us might find it confusing. What does he mean? Uh, the problem is that loss sounds a bit like lost. And so we go, does he mean lost? But that's not what Paul means. He means loss as in negative. What once Paul considered in the positive column of his life, he now sees actually as a negative. Not a profit, but a loss. Not a good, but a bad. Why? What's what's He sees it in a different light. He's got a new perspective. And it's a great challenge to us, in fact, about how we see life and how we see other people's lives. Uh, People like uh, Tim Cahill... Uh, guys, it's my last sermon. I had to use a soccer illustration. I think that's only fair. Uh, but uh, here's a great Australian sports person, right? Uh, uh, what could be more of an Australian dream than travelling around the world, playing the sport that you love and getting paid heaps of money for it? 
Now, this guy, Tim Kay, he's not like the mega rich or anything like that, but he's, he's in that comfortable rich kind of category, that category that so many people want to be in. Uh, he married his childhood sweetheart and he's got four kids. He works now as a soccer commentator, only has to work a little bit, gets paid a bunch, still gets to travel. It's great. I'm sure he's got a wonderful work-life balance. He goes to the gym regularly. Uh, he's financially comfortable. He's got a family. People like him. They think highly of him. Apparently, according to Wikipedia, he does good work for UNICEF. Man, this guy's a good guy. Now, would it, wouldn't you want to be, maybe not him, because you still want to be you probably, but you want to be like him. You want to be in his situation. He's got a lot in the game, Colin. He's, he's like a modern-day Paul. You see, Paul said he had all that. But now, he sees things differently. He sees things with a new perspective. He sees that those things that he thought were so important, that he had put his trust in, were actually nothing. Now, how can he say that? Because they aren't nothing, right? And that's not exactly what he is saying, I think. He's not saying that they are absolutely nothing. He's just saying, well, look at verse 8 to see what he's saying. He says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. You see, he's saying that compared to knowing Christ, all these things seem like nothing. What was, let's unpack that a little bit. What's the, what was the problem for Paul before his conversion? And what's the problem for so many people today? It's that what he thought, what we think, makes a great life, a successful life, a meaningful life, Paul found out to not be. Paul sees now differently. That actually, once you know Christ... Once you come to know Christ, you see that compared to Him, these things are essentially like nothing. I heard this uh, illustration on a podcast. It's kind of like an M&M in the sun. You see, if you take uh, an M&M and put it in front between you and the sun, they actually look the same size. But they aren't, are they? They aren't the same They just, we need to have a right perspective about these things. I wonder, do you see? Do you see that knowing Christ is so much better than having anything in this world? Well, why? Why is it better to know Christ? Maybe that's the problem. Why is it so much better to gain Christ? Why does Paul think it's so much better? Well, he gives us two reasons. Look in verse 9. And he says, uh, I consider... uh, He says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. You see, he gives two reasons, Paul gives us two reasons that knowing Christ is so much better than anything that the world can offer. He says, because in gaining Christ, we are also gaining true righteousness. 
A righteousness we don't need to earn, but a righteousness that's been given from God on the basis of faith. You see, when we believe and trust in Christ by faith, when we, we actually receive His righteousness. We become in Him and we receive a true righteousness applied to us. Now, why is that better? Well, it's better because it's true. Uh, Paul now sees that any righteousness outside of Christ will ultimately be and was a self-righteousness. Human nature, I'm like this, I reckon you probably are too. Uh, We love to take credit for things and that includes righteousness. Uh, If we did anything to contribute to our righteousness, we would actually deep down think that we were the ones who had done it, that we were worthy in and of ourselves. And that would actually turn it to a false, to a self-righteousness. But in Christ, uh, we actually have a true righteousness that comes from outside of ourselves. Christ has been perfectly righteous. He has achieved it for us and it becomes applied to us. We can take absolutely no credit, but we still have it. Paul says it comes from God. In knowing Christ, we're declared righteous, not by the people around us, not by ourselves, but by the one who matters, who gets to declare these things, by God. Uh, The second reason why what we have in Christ is so much better is, uh, it was there in verse 10, it's because, because in knowing Christ, we actually get to know the power of His resurrection. Uh, Think back to that picture of the M&M and the sun, uh, different perspective on things. Well, let me ask you something. Uh, Would you prefer to know how an M&M is made or to know how the sun works? What about the one who actually made the sun? Uh, Now, don't get me wrong, I'm actually a massive fan of a good manufacturing documentary, but uh, I want to know, I want to know the one who actually made the sun and the moon and the shining stars. I want to know the power that conceptualized and and brought into existence, breathed into existence, dinosaurs and diamonds and deserts. I want to know the power that could raise someone from the dead. And I want to know how I might escape death and be raised with that same power. Paul, before his conversion, I'm sure he had connections to the rich and powerful. But he's saying, I'm now connected. I want to be connected to the one who can raise people from the dead. And Paul says, when you know Christ, you know that power. You know the one who actually has true power. Better than being with the rich or the rulers. Better than being a name is knowing God and being with Him and in Him. Now do you see a little bit more? Do you see why Paul can say some of these things? Why why he can say it doesn't even compare to knowing Christ? Uh, Do you see why Paul can go even further? Why he can say that in fact, even if you had all of those other things, even if your positive column Uh, Your gain column was just absolutely filled with everything that any human could ever want or imagine. That if you don't have Christ, 
in that column. That the other things are essentially meaningless. That they are like nothing. If you don't know the one who can give true righteousness and make you right before God, if you don't know the one that can raise you from death, what have you actually got? And this is our mission reminder, right? This is, uh, Paul isn't going there necessarily, but it sits deeply underneath what he's saying. Uh, Paul's words for Wollongong, for Australia, that uh, lots of people in our country, lots of people around us, lots of your friends and family think that their gain column, their positive column is looking pretty good. That as far as it goes, they are okay in life. But what is Paul saying? He's saying, no, no, if you don't have Christ, then you are not okay. Your life is not looking as good as you think it is. You are not looking from the right point of view. Uh, you might have something, but compared to having Christ, your perspective doesn't include eternity and it's not good. Friends, maybe you're watching today. Maybe you've tuned in here to Salt Church, checking it out. Maybe you wouldn't call Jesus your Lord. You, you don't know Him personally. You aren't living for Him, acknowledging Him and uh, seeking His forgiveness daily. Can I encourage you? Paul's words are for you too. Uh, he is, he's simply saying what the rest of the Bible says, that uh, without Jesus, you do not have a safe afterlife. Without Jesus, you do not have a full life because you don't know the God who made you and the God who saved you in Christ. Can I encourage you, put your hope in Jesus, put your trust in Him, put your faith in Him and you can gain everything. Can I really encourage you, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord, uh, at the end of the gathering here, at, at the end of our time here, uh, a QR code is going to come up again where you can put your details in and we would love to connect with you. We would love to find out who you are and why you tuned into Salt. And we'd love to help you find out how Jesus, how you can know Jesus. Uh, but for those of us who do, for Christians, do you see what you have in Christ? Do you see what you've gained? Do you see that you have true righteousness in the eyes of God and you know the one who has the power to raise the dead and his promise is that he will raise you? You might not have any of those things that the world considers important. Maybe you don't have much money. Maybe you don't have a family. Maybe people think you're strange or even wrong because of your beliefs but you have Christ and that is of infinitely more worth than all of these things guys I, I was thinking about this even for myself uh, it is so hard uh, there are many moments in our lives and there are hard moments in our lives where we count the cost as Christians often say where we think about the losses of what it means to be a Christian. I don't know about you at the moment, but man, this, this property market going crazy. I, I mean, I feel that frenzy that's going on. Uh, people talking about buying houses, thinking about buying houses. Everyone seems to be buying a new one, a better house. And it doesn't matter that I've already got a good house, a house that most people would be stoked to have. Uh, I'm caught up in the fever of it. Uh, I'm, I'm Italian and 
there's an old joke that says, you know what they call an Italian with seven houses? A failure. That's, that's my heritage. That's the pressure I feel of, to conform to the world. And it's not that buying a house or investing even is... is un, that can be a wise decision of using your money wisely. But in these things, it's what's going on in our head and our heart. It's the problem of, of how we start to think in that moment, of, of thinking things like this. Well, this is what goes on for me. It's thinking like this. Man, if we hadn't given so much money to church over all these years, can you imagine what I'd be able to do with it? Uh, if I hadn't left my job to come work at Salt, I'd probably be earning a bunch more right now. I'd have a better work-life balance. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, people wouldn't treat me strangely or look at me strangely whenever they ask, oh, what do you do for work? And I tell them I'm a pastor of a church. Or when I say that, oh, no, I'm sorry, you can't go to your thing because I've got church on Sunday. It wouldn't feel like I was being left out or something along those lines. But here is the big picture that Paul gives us. These things are just M&Ms. But we know the Son. We're not, a vi- we're not victims. I'm not a victim of anything. I'm the most privileged person on earth because I know God. Paul says we need a new perspective. But not just on what we have in Christ, but also where we're going. Uh, look at verse 12. He says, Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. One of the great joys of the Christian life is that we know the end goal. Now, we know where we're going. Paul says the prize is heavenward. Now, I don't think Paul means what sometimes might come into our head when we think of that. Uh, Let's be careful of this. Uh, We all conceive of heaven or the new heavens and the new earth, as I'd prefer, um, in different ways. Uh, Many a Christian conceptualizes heaven as that place where they'll just get to do whatever they want. All those things that uh, they've said no to in this life, they'll get to do those things in heaven. Uh, You see that thinking, heaven's going to be one great golf course, perhaps. Or, uh, yeah, if golf's your thing. Uh, Or eternal spa resort or something along those lines. But once again, the the danger of this is where... We're not seeing heaven quite the way, or the heavenward uh, quite the way Paul is. That's more still from the worldly perspective. Uh, A good example of this, one of the things that people might miss out on here in life is marriage. And the mistake might be to think, oh, well, in in heaven I'll be able to be married. Well, no, uh, Jesus says there is no marriage in heaven, at least not like we have here on earth. Uh, We will be truly married to Christ in terms of relating to him perfectly but not to each other married Uh, but Jesus uh, so it's true what we want to hold on to is it's absolutely true Uh, the Bible says that at God's right hand are pleasures forevermore it's going to be wonderful there you are not going to be sad in eternal life with God but look at 
Look at what he says in verse 14 again. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, what is this prize? What is this final step? Well, it's connected to verse 10. It comes out of verse 10 that Paul says, I want to know Christ. To know the living, eternal, powerful, good God. And the heavenward prize is that we would know Him completely. That we would see Him in a way that we don't see Him now. That we would know Him in a greater way. Uh, The limitations that we have now because of sin and because of our finite bodies. Our brains that don't work as well as they should, our memory, these things will be gone. Uh, Listen to Paul again, 1 Corinthians 13, 12. He says, uh, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. There are many prizes in life. There are many things that we work towards. Uh, Tim Cahill, I'm sure he had goals. Sorry, I'm picking on this guy. He might be a Christian, I don't know. But uh, he would have had goals, I imagine. Goals like, hey, I want to play for Australia one day. He achieved it. Uh, Goals like, I want to play in the World Cup. He achieved it. Uh, Goals like, I want to have a family. achieved it. Now, I don't know. Maybe Tim Cahill does feel like he's got everything at the moment. But one thing I can probably guarantee is that he'll only feel that for a short time is that that feeling will fade, that eventually he'll long for something more, he'll want something else, he'll come up with a different goal and when he achieves that he'll come up with a different goal and that'll fade and those memories will fade and other people's memories about how good he is will fade. It's just like eating the M&M. It's great for a little while but then it goes only lasts so long. But knowing Christ, Paul's showing us, a perfect fellowship with Christ, perfect fellowship with God, to know God as He knows us. This is where the big difference is. We will spend eternity in fellowship with an eternal God. The God who is going to be unendingly interesting. Uh, The God who is going to be unendingly worth knowing. I wonder, you ever met that person and you're just like, man, I wish I could be around you all the time. You're so great to hang out with. Well, God's going to be like that forever. And all the other stuff, that's going to be there, but it'll be a bonus. It'll just be a part of that and we'll see it in the light of knowing God properly. We'll have each other, we'll have a new creation, which, which I think we can have every reason to believe will be even more beautiful, even more wonderful, even more magnificent and endless and vast than the one that we inhabit now. This is the new prize though. The ultimate prize is to be able to know God forever and grow in our understanding of Him and see Him face to face. That's a prize that will never fade like things on this earth. A prize that will never lose its excitement or enjoyment. That's what Paul was looking towards, looking up for. Perfect fellowship with Christ. Where are your eyes? Are they looking up? Where are they looking? 
Are they heavenward or are they looking down? When we look up, we get to see the prize ahead. And that helps us because it means we can sacrifice things now because we see. We see compared to that. Compared to that, it doesn't look so hard. It doesn't look like such a loss. In fact, we can sacrifice things now. We can suffer loss now, even joyfully and zealously. Uh, here's the final thing that Paul wants us to see, I think, that with, the new pers- with a new perspective and with that prize in mind, with that heavenward prize, Paul then runs his race differently. Well, actually, the same and different. Uh, you see Paul's language, it's there in verse 12 and vo- verse 14, he says, he presses on. Uh, verse 13, he strains for what is ahead. Uh, one thing that hasn't changed about Paul is his zeal. He goes for his goal, he goes for the prize zealously. But where before his zeal was misdirected, now what's he zealous for? Well, it's verse 10 again, to know Christ more. Well, and that has little aspects to it. He presses on to know Christ more, to know the power of his resurrection more. But here's the fascinating thing about what that looks like. Hear it again in in verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Now, Paul's saying something quite fascinating here. He's saying that through participation in Christ's sufferings, we actually know Christ better, that that's what he's pressing on for, that that is what he is zealously pursuing. Uh, Let me show you, follow the logic here. Uh, He's straining for the prize, he's pressing on to know Christ, know the power of his resurrection more, now and ultimately in the resurrection from the dead, But even now he gets to know Christ more as he suffers for him. Uh, See this, so we go right back to the start of Paul's argument. His reliance reliance had been on his self-righteousness, on his status, on how others thought of him, on how he thought of himself. He knew nothing of Christ and his faithfulness, goodness and power. But now having given up those things having suffered as he gave up those things and having done that in what I think we can assume was a process just like what we go through, fleeing sin, giving up those things, pursuing righteousness, persevering, he has come to know Christ in a greater way. Now let's be clear and careful about this. We know Christ better by hearing his words to us in Scripture. That's how we know Christ better. But I think we can also say, and as we live according to his teaching, as we sacrifice our former pleasures, the things that we thought mattered for his pleasure and the things that he says matters, as we gain him by losing the things that the world say are important, as we suffer in doing that, that actually we get to know him better in that process. I can be told that someone is trustworthy. I I can even see on past evidence, believe that that person is trustworthy. But 
as I go through life and as I have reason to put my trust in them and as they come through for me, I can know in an even greater way how trustworthy they are. By knowing and seeing that person's faithfulness, by seeing that person's love for me, I can, I can know them in an even greater way as they ongoingly prove to be who they say they are. And I think that's what Paul is saying here of Christ. As we suffer for Christ, as we give up those things for Christ, we can actually grow in knowing Him better. And I think we can add to that just one other little bit, that we can say that as we suffer for Christ, that we are actually suffering with Him. In the smallest part, in the tiniest part. Uh, but just as people who suffer together in a, in a situation uh, often share a bond. That as we share in Christ's sufferings, that we actually grow in fellowship with Him. I think that's what Paul means. But then what does it mean for us today? Well, I think it means a few things. I think it means that uh, for some of you listening in today, that if you have sacrificed very little or nothing at all for Christ, if you are still, if your life looks no different to anyone in this world, if you are still trusting in the things of this world, then you are missing out. You are missing out in the greatest treasure of all, which is to know Christ and to know Him more. Uh, Can I suggest to you, if that is you, don't be surprised if Christ feels like a bit of a stranger to you. You shouldn't be surprised. How could you feel close to Him when you're not sharing at all in His sufferings, when you don't pursue knowing Him more? If you aren't truly trusting in Him, And the the saddest part of that at all is that Paul says that there's a danger there that you will miss out on the ultimate prize of all, of knowing Him forever. Friends, this is a a hard teaching of the Bible, but it is there and we need to be absolutely clear on it. Uh, Listen to Paul in Romans 8, 17. He says, now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If... Indeed, we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, it doesn't say how much you need to share in his sufferings, but it absolutely says that if you are not sharing in his sufferings at all, there is a problem. There is a question you need to ask yourself. And you need to come and ask of God. So can I encourage you, if that is you, come to Christ for forgiveness. Ask Him, be in prayer and reflect on what you are trusting in instead of Christ. Flee sin and draw nearer to Him. And make some sacrifices for the sake of God. Lose some of those things. Give up some of those things for the wonderful knowing of Christ. To gain that. Now, what does that actually look like for you? I'm not sure. But that would be worth having a conversation with someone about. Talk to someone in your small group. Talk to your small group about it. Talk to another faithful believer about it. Wrestle with that because it's so important. 
But here's what else I think it means for us uh, here at Seoul. Uh, if you have sacrificed much for the sake of Christ, for those that, who have sacrificed anything for Christ, in fact, that your sacrifice has not been in vain, that you have gained something of far greater value, and one day you will gain something of far more infinite value. You can rejoice in your sufferings. Don't look back. Press on, as Paul says, push forward, strain on towards the prize waiting for you heavenward. But for all of us, and here's been my wrestle this week as I've thought about it for myself, there is no doubt more than one thing, but there is certainly at least one thing that you are still holding on to that still matters to you more and you are putting more trust in and more hope in than you are Christ perhaps. There is still something that you are wrestling on, wrestling with and don't want to give up for Him. What is that thing? Can I encourage you to be in prayer about that? But can I say to you, God, this is what I felt I needed to hear and so I thought I'd encourage, it, encourage you with it also. Uh, I am feeling the weight of losing some things for the sake of Christ. Uh, no doubt some of you are as well as you send out uh, a bunch of us, send out 16 adults and 10 kids to go and plant Village Church, sending out brothers and sisters in Christ, sending out friends, family. But what I wanted to encourage us with today is that it's not for nothing. It is not for nothing. Yes, it's so that others, people who we don't even know, people who you won't maybe ever meet until the new creation, would come to know how wonderful Christ is and the eternal gain of Christ but also so that all of us who are suffering loss in this might know Christ just that little bit better as we trust in Him through it. How would I pray for that? Heavenly Father, Lord, we do give You thanks. What wonderful grace You have given to us in Christ. Lord, that we can even know You, Lord. That sinners... Uh, can know you and look forward to knowing you and seeing you face to face in the new heavens and the new earth. Lord, what a grace you have given us. What a wonderful privilege you have given us in Christ. Lord, help us to run towards that. Help us to press on. Help us to run with zeal. Lord, not looking back, but straining forward. Lord, help us to see. Help us to be wise. Help us to hear the Spirit as you bring to us things that we do need to give up for knowing you better. Lord, help us to be wise to those things and help us to encourage one another by having conversations about what that might look like and what that might be. But Lord, ultimately, help us to see things new. Help us to see them as Paul has encouraged us to see them. And so, not counting the cost, but looking forward. In Jesus' name, Amen.